0: You don't make demands of the audience. You soothe them. Your shows are comfortable, like an old boot. Angles and Ministers
1: of Grace defend us.
0: Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself. Uh, William Shakespeare? My, is it because Jack... Jack is it, isn't really a Shakespeare guy. My name is Matthew James Marquez, I use he-him pronouns.
1: And my name is Megan Charlo, and I use she-her
0: pronouns. And today, we are beginning... Our epic journey into the world of the 2003 Canadian TV show, Slings and Arrows.
1: Boo, 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 boo.
0: Slings and Arrows is a dark comedy series set in a fictional Shakespearean festival.
1: We have decided there are three Seasons of Slings and Arrows. We're gonna do three months of Slings and Arrows, not in a row, not in a row. If you don't like Slings and Arrows, don't worry. But each time we're gonna break it up so that we'll have a month dedicated. So for the next three years, <laughs> there will be a Slings and Arrows month. I don't know, or we'll do it sooner than that. I don't know. Either way, all of July is Slings and Arrows month because.
0: We needed to find a time. We wanted to. Shakespeare in July. It's like Christmas in July, except it's Shakespeare. So Slings and Arrows first aired on Canada's Movie Central and the Movie Network channels. Woohoo! It's not a movie! It is not a movie. It was later shown on the Sundance channel in America like two years after it first aired, which I think is wild. Those are very movie-centric channels. Uh, Don't... Ask me, Megan. I did not make that choice, okay?
1: Mm, That's something someone who made that choice would say.
0: This show was developed in like the late 1990s, a couple years before it actually released. The producer of the show, Niv Fitchman, was pitched it by one of the people that worked for him. And he actually recruited Susan Coyne, who plays Anna, to write a pilot for it and then later mark mckinney who plays richard smith jones uh, who's part of kids in the hall joined onto the project and then finally bob martin who plays terry in season one jumped on so like three of the actors that we see in the show were creators and writers of the show
1: normally i say something pissy about that about nepotism (laughs)
0: But these aren't famous people, like yeah, really famous people. and also
1: they're not giving themselves the lead.
0: Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, cool, do it. Slings and arrows, as we mentioned before, it takes place at a fictional Shakespeare theater festival in fictional New Burbage, Canada. Get it, New Burbage, like Richard Burbage. Where's the first Burbage? I actually don't know.
1: Is there a Burbage? Yeah, Burbage is a village in England.
0: Okay. So each season of Slings and Arrows follows a different production of a certain Shakespeare play. And the themes and plots often reflect the play that is being put on. Yes. Yeah. That
1: was a pretty good way to explain it.
0: Okay. So what we are doing here today on Bard is something completely different to what we've done in the past. I
1: mean, it's not, it's, it's kind of different. It is
0: completely different, (laughs) Megan. We are not going bit by bit through this show because that would take a long time because each season is about... Six hours long? A little under. A long time. And we've done long things in this past, and let me tell you... When we do long things like Magical Legend of the Leprechauns...
1: We get tired. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about the things that bring us joy, the things that are directly connected to the play, and just basically what we want to talk about, but like, we're not going to mention every little change. So sometimes we might skip a bit in an episode. So if you have Slings and Arrows memorized... Don't worry, we didn't forget, we also love the show. We're just not going to talk about it all. So season one focuses on Hamlet. I'm not going to give an explanation of Hamlet. I'm sorry. We've, we've
0: given, done it. <laughs> we've done it. We've
1: done it multiple times, and as Mark has mentioned, they're not doing a direct adaptation. They're borrowing themes. So me telling you the plot to Hamlet is not going to help us here. So, I think where we should start before we truly dive into the plot yeah. is the theme song for this season. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, what? Hold on. What?
0: What our experience with Slings and Arrows. Oh,
1: yeah, we didn't. has we... been.
0: We have both have a history. Yeah. What was your first viewing of Slings and Arrows? It was with you. Oh.
1: Yeah, what? you showed it to me.
0: But well, thank you.
1: Yeah. So I think we we both watch Slings and Arrows, not like regularly, regularly, but we both get in moods where we're like, I'm just going to rewatch all of Slings and Arrows or like, I'm just going to cry and just watch season three of Slings and Arrows. It
0: was definitely a comfort show. In college. In college.
1: Okay. So like,
0: like if I was feeling down, it used to be on Netflix, which made it so much easier than bringing a DVD.
1: Now it's on AMC plus. So forget that. People who have listened to the show know that we helped run a Shakespeare company in college. And so it felt very familiar to us. Yeah. And it's just a very special show.
0: I first watched it because friend of the show Ray, their sibling, owned it. And I watched it with Ray for the first time. So that was pre-college? Or maybe it was freshman year of college. Either way, it was when I was but a wee little lad. A fresh-faced 18-year-old Marquez. And so obviously it was very impressionable on me.
1: The first time I watched Slings and Arrows after moving to the city and, you know, giving up on doing theater probably ever again, uh, I sobbed after the first episode. And then after the third episode... And quite a few times.
0: Ha, ha look at the little happy man dancing <laughs> in front of you. You took it to a sad, dark place, and I'm taking this podcast away from you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll get to that in episode three. I'll probably start crying. We're fine. That's today. Okay. Uh, the gaslings yeah, and arrows is great.
0: Now we can get into the theme song. Which
1: fits, because it's called Cheer Up, Hamlet. Cheer up, Megan.
0: Cheer up, Megan. Yeah, Megan, why don't you just exercise or uh, smile a bit more? That releases endorphins.
1: So I hate when people are like, "Eh, Hamlet's so inactive. He doesn't do anything. He's just so melancholy. and Why doesn't he just kill a king? We've been over this before. And on the surface, Cheer Up Hamlet is exactly that. But in canon, this is being sung by two members of the Shakespeare Company.
0: Yes, Frank and Cyril.
1: And they are fantastic. They are gay, older men.
0: Before we even get into yeah. the lyrics. Yeah. Frank and Cyril are two characters that don't have an arc, don't have a plot.
1: They're just always there. They're old, reliable.
0: And I think that that is very interesting for an early 2000s character. Yeah. For both of them to be two elderly gay men.
1: And it's just like, yeah, they're just there. They've always been there. They'll always be there.
0: And it's kind of interesting because they do play like a Shakespeare archetype of lower class characters that
1: talk shit about the n- everyone leads.
0: Everyone <laughs> else. Uh, but also just don't have any plot. Yeah. To them. That's their purpose. Their purpose is to comment. Yes. And they're great at it. Also, I like when they say she, I mean, it's using the wrong pronouns for someone, but it's because it's in a a gay way. Yeah. Like, oh, the queen is here. I like that. I just love it.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so cheer up, Hamlet. We're not going to go through all the lyrics, but it references Hamlet and it's just a little piano tune. This is like, why are you such a little shit, Hamlet?
0: I also like, uh, and by the way, you, sorry, brat, the answer is to be. It's
1: funny because he asked
0: the question.
1: I also like the line, shut up, you rogan peasant,
0: because it's,
1: it's it, he, what a rogan peasant
0: slave am I? Yeah, it's a reference to the play.
1: <laughs> they also call Claudius a cad, and I enjoy
0: that. Oh, he
1: is. They also use the word ennui, which is one of my
0: favorite words since childhood. Okay, so we start off this series looking into the lives of our main characters. Name of episode one. Oliver's dream. Got it. It's like Bottom's dream. Yeah, and also Oliver has directed A Midsummer in this episode. Yeah. And Oliver's dream for his life is dead. (laughs) Oliver Wells is the artistic director of the new Burbage Shakespeare Festival. And he is a tired, sad, gay old man. Who
1: is doing a tired, sad, gay, old Midsummer, <laughs> And people who have been with New Burbage for a long time see that. And people who are new are just so excited to be part of New Burbage. And it's so realistic. Well, yeah. Well, because it's the old guard. Are like, this is what we're doing now. This is what we've come to. But they don't
0: do anything about it. They don't say anything. No. They're just like, well, I'm comfortable where I am. So I guess I'll just let this be bad. <laughs> And the new people are like, isn't it like I have the opportunity to be an actor? So I got to take the opportunity because this is an institution. It doesn't matter if the institution is crumbling. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark, Megan. Mm-hmm. And that's the new Burbage Shakespeare Festival.
1: Yep. Meanwhile. You're doing my job for me.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you wrote that down. Meanwhile, Jeffrey Tennant.
1: Is in this like basement theater yes anyway he's trying to put up the tempest and it looks exciting
0: well it looks bare bones
1: (laughs) yeah that's exciting
0: i mean that's what shakespeare had bare bones
1: except also he has this like really fantastic weather system that he's trying to work and man he just needs jimmy neutron (laughs) anyway So so he's putting up the tempest and things aren't working out because they don't have money unlike new burbage who has all the money in the world and is doing nothing exciting with it yes Here's my question. So Jeffrey Tennant's our lead. Yeah. So he's like our Hamlet. Yeah. Is his time with the Argent Theater or whatever it's called kind of like Hamlet going away to college?
0: Yes. Yeah. Kind of. How many of these do you have, Megan? We'll find out. Anyway, we learn in this beginning that Oliver Wells had a production of Hamlet. Starring Jeffrey Tennant as Hamlet and Ellen Fanshawe, who is like the main actress of the Shakespeare Festival, who's playing Titania in this Midsummer. And one night, Jeffrey Tennant had a mental breakdown and jumped into Ophelia's grave and then ran screaming from the theater and never came back. And
1: it's seven years later now.
0: Yeah. And he was committed to an institution. That's a lot.
1: That is a lot.
0: I just want you to know, Megan, that this plot was most likely based on Daniel Day-Lewis, famous actor Daniel Day-Lewis, who is infamous for being a very heavy method actor, who had a breakdown during a performance of Hamlet in which he saw his father's ghost instead of the actor playing the ghost and had a breakdown. Not confirmed, but that's what...
1: That's what people are like, come on. It happened.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. it, it happened in the news. Yeah. So they're kind of... Oh, and also, obviously, the name Oliver Wells. Orson Wells, like, Lawrence Olivier. Kind of like a combination of just yeah. like... Kind of like a name that sounds like a famous director name. Yes. Honestly, I would say that these names are great. All of them, Jeffrey Tennant, Oliver Wells, Ellen Fanshaw. Like Ellen Fanshaw, sounds like she started in a movie in the 1930s where they talk like this. <laughs> like, hey, it's me, Ellen Fanshaw. Ellen
1: fanshaw has got a new beau.
0: Jeffrey Tennant sounds like a famous actor that you have heard of a little bit. Like, oh, it's Jeffrey Tennant. You're like, oh, yeah, he probably, I don't know, started in like a blockbuster in the 90s as like the third lead. Because he came from stage two screen and he never really made it into film. But, but like
1: stage actors are like, of course, Jeffrey Tennant. Yeah. It's like me with Brian Blessed.
0: Of course, I know who Brian Blessed is. I saw Blackadder.
1: The directing isn't the only thing that's rotten in the state of New Burbage Shakespeare Festival, though. There are some issues. Okay, I mean, I guess this isn't a huge problem. Their their sponsor, Lenstrex, has had like a weird buyout within the company.
0: And there's just this fucking lady.
1: Oh, holiday. Is the literal devil, as a former employee of Lenstrex tells us in a whisper. But like, it's true. But at the same time, she says she loves the arts. And she wants to go to the Midsummer And she wants to date Richard.
0: Who is the managing director of the new Bourbon Shakespeare Festival.
1: And like, who would want to date him? So obviously, that's exciting for him.
0: So Richard Smith-Jones is a character that represents the business side of theater. Which is a very important side of theater because you can't do shows without money.
1: It's funny because in my past, I've been a person who's been like, guys, we have to remember this
0: is a business
1: for creative projects. But also I hate Richard Smith Jones oh, and Holly Day obviously. with obviously. all
0: of my heart. Well, it's because they don't have the artistic aspect in their brains as
1: anything. As
0: anything, you You have to balance it. I mean, that's one of the major themes of this entire series is managing the, you know, societal pressures of running a business with the artistic end of it. And I think that, you know, Jeffrey Tennant doesn't give a shit about the business side, and Richard Smith-Jones cares mostly about the business side. And it's that pull between the two that drives the plot of the whole series from beginning to end. It's kind of the thread between all three seasons. Yes, And I think that that's very important. I think that the show understands that that conflict is there in theater. So anyway, back to the beginning. Oliver Wells doing his Midsummer, Jeffrey Tennant doing his Tempest. And we see the business art side being in conflict when Oliver Wells is pulled away from his last rehearsal before the show goes up, hasn't fixed anything important in the play. Like Ellen's like, I'm facing away from the audience during my big scene. What are we going to do about it? And he's just like, he doesn't care anymore. And that's like a huge sign that Oliver doesn't give a shit. He's just going through the motions and he doesn't care about the little details about can Ellen be hurt? And meanwhile, Megan, we've got a special little lady that we're introduced to. You might watch this show and you might go,
1: Wait. What? Wait,
0: <laughs> what the fuck?
1: Is that Rachel McAdams?
0: Is that Regina George? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And it is. She was in the show. God,
1: she's so good.
0: So she plays Kate. To no last name. So she plays in this midsummer. Moth. Moth. She says Moth at one point, and she says Third Fairy at one point. Moth is a character that has. In total, in Midsummer Night's Dream, two lines.
1: So good. And she's so stoked. She's so excited to be part of the new Burbage Festival because she saw Jeffrey Tennant's Hamlet and it changed her life. <sighs> also, she tries to bring that up to Oliver and um, she's I- like, I know I'm never supposed to mention this. And he's like, yeah, no, you are not. I love
0: her. We also meet Mae Silverstone. Who is the chairperson for the new Burbage Theater Festival? And she's a character that's supposed to stand in as a voice of reason. But also, like, isn't she also complicit for the festival being this way? I feel like she gets off as like, well, I've always been here, and I think that something's wrong and that why didn't you do about something about this before? Yeah, hey,
1: you're a board there's like five no, there's like ten board members. Like, you're a tenth of the voice. You could just be like, does anyone else thinks this kind of sucks now?
0: She's the chairperson. She's the head of the board. Yeah. Anyway, because Jeffrey is bad at running a theater.
1: This is a thread that we'll see throughout the whole show. Jeffrey's really bad at relationship management and any business aspects, for as it. we mentioned. So he hasn't paid rent for
0: multiple months. So he's a bad director. Because a director has to manage many aspects. And
1: so the thing is, what he needs to be is a director who has a producer. He needs to do film where his job is just to focus. tell the cast what to do and how how to do the show and like have
0: a vision. Yeah, putting him as artistic director, as they do in the show, is a horrid decision. As like somebody who just comes in and directs a play, he'd be fine. He'd
1: be great. But yeah, no, relationship management and business is definitely not his strong suit. So yeah, they're being evicted from the theater.
0: And he changed himself to the theater in an act of protest.
1: And the cops have to come. And all of this is happening on the night of New Burbage's Midsummer Preview. And honestly, that show is going poorly because it's staged poorly, acted poorly, etc. So the audience is just silent.
0: And several of them are turning into a hockey playoff game
1: and then oliver's backstage with Naomi, who's a security he's just like a guy he's just like there he's like a grounds like he he helped he's like
0: the the crew of new burbage i mean he definitely has a title that means nothing but means he has to do a lot of it means he has
1: no voice and every job
0: yeah, he's security, but he's also probably custodian. Yeah. And he's the only kind of person like this that we see because you need to, like, consolidate characters. Yeah. In the real world, there'd be, like, 12 people who do his one job. Yes.
1: But the two of them are watching The Midsummer and they're like, oh, this is terrible. Well, obviously, oh, like, this is terrible, and Naomi's just a uh, nice man. And he's like, yeah, there's no truth in this, but truth is dangerous. So, you know, you're playing it safe.
0: You're playing it safe.
1: And then they're like, let's skip to the hockey game. And they see on the news Jeffrey being arrested. And now I am like, this is theater. I mean, this it's... is drama. This is passion. And it's right. And Oliver's like, oh, shit, I suck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suck at theater.
1: But of course, since it was the previews night and its sponsors and... Dignitaries and stuff who are there. They have this little reception afterwards and they give their sponsor a hardback Shakespeare book. And the only reason I mention this is because I have to bring up the fact that one, Basil is there. A critic. (laughs) A critic. And he's just like, this is the future of the festival. Sweaty middle managers soiling the works of Shakespeare. And As he's talking about this, we have this middle manager on stage being like, I think Shakespeare once said that life is full of sound and fury signifying nothing. But we at (laughs) Lenstrex believe that that's not true, no matter what your race is. (laughs) And it's so disgusting. It's bad and accurate. And I hate it. I mean, it's not fully accurate because it's, you know, a TV show and it's a script and whatever. So it's more dramatic. But God, I've heard so many things similar to that. Also, the bit from Macbeth isn't just like, uh, it's one of those things where they do the thing.
0: They take it out of context. And they
1: take it out of context. I'm like, he's not just like that that I'm living my own life.
0: It's not like a philosophical point that he's making in the comfort of his own home. No, his wife is just died. died.
1: And he's like, what's the freaking point?
0: So Kate, her family's not coming to see her show.
1: Because of the playoffs.
0: Yes. And They'll probably
1: see a different one. They don't have to see previews. Come on, it's one night. Well,
0: they didn't have to pay their ticket for previews. Her parents can come another night, but who does show up tonight is her old theater teacher, which she describes to Claire, a character we'll get to later, as someone that all the girls had crushes on and who gave massages to his students. Fire this theater teacher. He is a danger to your students.
1: Anyway, so he's like old and balding and not attractive. And Claire's like, that's the guy. And he is one of those theater teachers who obviously just wanted to be an actor and then wasn't good enough and became a theater teacher.
0: And seeing his student say two lines on the stage has prompted him to declare that he's going to quit teaching and go into acting.
1: And she's like, but you're a great director. And then he says the thing we, quote, Too frequently. A lot. Which is, you know how I cast nowadays? Tallest one's Romeo and the biggest tits
0: is Juliet. Who cares? The wording of that is so great. And if you ever just think that someone has flippantly cast someone, that's the phrase that I like to use.
1: (laughs) He's not the only one who casts like that, obviously, because it's very obvious that Oliver Wells has just been going through the motions of everything. And at the bar, everyone's talking about how bad Midsummer was and how you, bad you, Oliver is.
0: You wait to go home before you say stuff like yes, that. Yes!
1: <laughs> you go to the bar where all of the people in the show are and the director's there. And oh, God. So, anyway, he hears them talking about him as he's drunkenly peeing. And he's very sad. And you know what? That's fair. Because that sucks, even if you did a bad job. So he calls Jeffrey because he's thinking about Jeffrey because he saw the news. and He calls himself a ghost from Jeffrey's past. (gasps) Hamlet. Yeah. Ghosts. And then he's like, I'm so proud of you. Also, you'd be so happy if you saw me now because I'm pathetic and I'm a failure and I'm miserable
0: and no one will talk to me. Oh, and also, you're a loser and a failure. (laughs) He calls Jeffrey several times and...
1: Jeffrey keeps hanging up
0: on him. Yeah, doesn't say anything, hangs up on him, because every time Oliver starts being a sad sack, but then doesn't dig at Jeffrey. He's like,
1: I'm so sad and miserable and I'm a failure, and you're a failure, and Jeffrey's like, nope.
0: Oliver's even bad at being a sad sack. He's horrible at it because he gets into it and then he starts blaming other people.
1: It's a really succinct way of saying it, but I feel like it's a very spot on, basically introduction to Ellen, because we haven't seen much of Ellen besides her being mad about her back being to the audience. Yeah. And he says about Ellen, she hates me, she hates you, she hates herself, she's playing Gertrude. Yeah. And that tells you so much.
0: I mean, he also says that she's trying to fuck away the years by sleeping with a litany of younger men. (laughs) Yeah which is connected to Gertrude because people are bad at interpreting text and are like, well, Gertrude may have something of a relationship that's untowards with Hamlet. And I'm like, where in the text do you read this? I have never seen this. I have looked at Hamlet. It's because
1: people are like Hamlet to mention sexual things. And it's like, yeah, because he's mad at his mom for having sex with his
0: uncle. I get that people have Freudian interpretations of things, but Freud has been long debunked. So stop.
1: We also find out in a throwaway line that I think he's like never brought up again, that Jeffrey's mother died a couple years ago. Yeah, both
0: Jeffrey and And
1: Oliver's
0: have lost their mothers,
1: Like recently. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because loss of a parent is very important in Hamlet. And I think it's interesting even more so because it's not brought up.
0: Like, never again. It's a throwaway
1: line here and then for Jeffrey's mom and then slightly later for Oliver's mom.
0: Never mentioned again!
1: It might also be something to endear us more to May and her relationship with Jeffrey. Oh,
0: she's definitely a mother figure to Jeffrey.
1: It's just, I had never caught that line before this viewing. Mm. I caught the Oliver's mother one because it stuck out to me because I was like, oh, she'd be pretty old. (laughs) But Jeffrey's, I hadn't heard until this time. Anyway, one of the last things he says to Jeffrey is that Jeffrey basically ruined his life because everything he ever does is going to be compared
0: to three performances of Hamlet. And that gets Jeffrey to speak back. (laughs) Because Oliver ruined his life. You
1: made me have a mental breakdown. I had to leave the theater. I had to leave the people I loved. And I have not recovered.
0: And Jeffrey begins to say, you're an inherently broken person. I'm going to tell you exactly what's wrong with you.
1: Not just because you ruined my life, not because you ruined the festival. Even though you did those things, I want to erase you from my memory.
0: And Oliver hangs up on Jeffrey and we don't even get to hear what Jeffrey had to say. And I like that. I like that it's left unsaid. So anyway, uh, Oliver drunkenly lays down on the ground and has a flashback memory.
1: Speaking of people who lay down on no, the ground, Hamlet Sr. was laying down in the ground one time.
0: Yeah, and then a pig trunk ran him over.
1: Yeah, in the shape of
0: poison in his ear. Oliver Wells was not murdered. I understand the connection <laughs> you're trying to make here, man. Okay, but here's
1: the thing. Oliver Wells in this is both Hamlet Sr. and Claudius. Yeah, sure. He murders himself with a poison, a.k.a. alcohol, that causes his death while he's laying down.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't disagree.
1: So anyway, before he dies, Oliver has a flashback to directly after one of those Hamlet performances, and he and... Jeffrey and Ellen are running through the streets and they're happy and they're laughing and oh my God, everyone was weeping at the show. It was so good. The audience loved it and hated it and it was broken by it. And...
0: <sighs> Theater is a drug, Megan. Yeah. That's a through line that I am getting from this rewatch. Yeah. Is the way that people chase this high Mm-hmm is a drug Mm -hmm. like the endorphins that are released from theater is totally given as a drug if you look at oliver wells and him just like as an old washed out user who probably doesn't get any high from the theater anymore and you look at jeffrey who took too much too fast and crashed and ellen fanshaw who's probably on the edge of being as ruined as oliver is and kate being like this is a new high for me even just the small dose of being moth has enlightened me and like the idea that theater changes your perception of reality that's specifically what it does to an audience and they talk about like the audience has been anesthetized we need to inject euphoria and revolt into our audience. We need to make theater a drug again. A good drug, like pot. And and I've experienced it and you've experienced it. And
1: that's why at the end of this episode, I cried because I missed that high. Yes. Because you see just how out of their minds ecstatic the three of them are. And they're to the point of being like, Jeffrey turns to Ellen and is like, "I am in love with you. This is the greatest feeling on earth. I'm gonna marry you. let's go make a baby like
0: later he compares acting to someone he loves on stage as having sex in public. That's how euphoric it was for him. yeah and and yeah, you cry because you miss it because you don't have that high anymore and there's very little that is the same as
1: that feeling
0: that feeling and you can't replicate it. The only way to replicate it would be to return to your drug source.
1: <laughs> like I've got a job now. I've got I've got so many kids. Oh, I you can't...
0: can't go back to that life. <laughs> but,
1: I mean, this is why
0: theater kids are so easily made fun of. Yes, because normal people don't know that high.
1: No, they're just like, why are you so obsessed with this? It's like because you don't understand the chemicals that go off in your brain. When you have that connection with someone and then with other people. And it's only for like live
0: performances? Yes. So.
1: Well, and it's also, it's because it starts with the adrenaline and fear of nerves. And then you go on stage and if it does well, you have that immediate recognition and appreciation. Like that congratulation, basically. And you have, oh, there's so much. Megan. Yeah.
0: Making a group full of people that you don't know laugh God. It's great great feeling. You know what's better? making them cry making them cry. Are theater people fucked up man Yes
1: <laughs> my life is ruined. This is why I feel such a connection to these characters because theater ruined my life and I will never recover.
0: But also you love theater and I
1: miss it. Every time I think of anything theater related.
0: That's why theater people just talk about theater all the time. Anyway, moving on.
1: Oh my god.
0: Oliver, Oliver gets, gets run over.
1: run over by a ham truck, which okay. everyone will then refer to as a pig truck.
0: I think it's wild that the truck says Canada's best hams and everyone calls it a pig truck. Because I, in my life, if somebody said that somebody was run over by a ham truck, and then people started saying pig truck. I would think that they got run over by uh, a livestock uh, truck. Yes,
1: not cured meats.
0: That's ham.
1: Also, I think it's funny on the nose that it's a ham truck that runs over this washed Hamlet up. Truck. Oh, also, also, it's a washed up actor, and he hams it up in front of audiences. Yeah, yeah, and Hamlet. And Hamlet. Episode two is called Jeffrey's Return.
0: Obviously, a reference to
1: Hamlet's return to Denmark, but like there's not like a line that that's pulling from as far as I can think of. So that's kind of not as good. <laughs> the episode begins with Richard identifying Oliver's body at the morgue, and they have a moment where they're like, How'd he die? Well, he was drunk, he was celebrating. He was happy. Yeah, and everyone at the morgue is like, oh, well, that's good that he died happy. And it's so bad, and it also makes me think how everyone was like, wow, Hamlet Sr. died. You know, just he just kind of died. It was a snake, and that sucked. But, you know, at least he was a Happy life, happy wife.
0: Also, we discover that Oliver had a toupee, which I think is important because...
1: He was hiding things.
0: Yes. His age. That is a talks, Hamlet.
1: Talks about Ellen trying to have sex with younger people to feel young. You put on fake hair. Come on, man.
0: Yes. And that's a very Hamlet thing, too, because Hamlet is about people hiding things and not being truthful to themselves. And Hamlet rails on against that. I mean, he gets a little misogynistic because he does tell Ophelia that women wear makeup to hide their true face. And I'm like. Listen, you haven't reached the third wave of feminism yet, Hamlet. I get it. You're a prince of Denmark from, like, the 1300s. Yeah, I understand. But maybe just have a little bit more care for Ophelia, I don't know, putting on makeup to feel pretty. She's allowed to do it. so
1: the morticians that they call are the mortimer brothers and they are the grave diggers from hamlet oh yeah like they're just two silly guys and one's tall and thin and one's tall and round they're just very much characters and every scene with them is this like weird funny creepy bit and it's just it's the grave diggers that's like the most (laughs) one-to-one that this show gets
0: A thing that this episode focuses on is the planning and execution of Oliver's funeral. And I love how this show explores the banality of someone's death. Yes. Because it just goes through like... Here are all the things that you just need to do when somebody dies. Well,
1: because, like, Oliver doesn't have a next of kin close by to have take care of this. So it's falling on Richard and the new Burbage Festival.
0: Who don't really know him because...
1: They only know his work face. Richard is just taking it as, like, a stress point of another thing he has to do. Anna, hold up.
0: Let's talk about We gotta talk
1: about Anna.
0: Anna is probably my favorite character in the entire show. She
1: has the most heart of anyone.
0: But also, she's also kind of like cloying in a very funny way. Like she always is like checking in.
1: And you're like, oh my God, leave it alone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But also, I can't really name another character that's like Anna, which I think is why it's so good. Because there is no other character that's kind of like Anna. In that she's got a heart, but she also does all the work that nobody else wants to do. Seasons 2 and 3 give Anna some more plot. Like, where one, she's just kind of this background character who is trying to just make sure everything runs smoothly.
1: And, like, she's the only person at New Burbage that seems really affected by Oliver's death. Yes. And you need at least one person that's that. She's crying.
0: Look, she sees it as a loss of a fellow human. Yes. Which no one else does. (laughs) Yeah. But also that also means that she didn't really know him either.
1: Yeah, because the people who knew him are like, he was kind of a shitty guy at the end.
0: She is crying because she's going to die someday, which is why you get sad about people dying if you don't know them. It's most of it's like, I have empathy for this person because I'm going to die someday. But that makes her a good person also. Like, yeah, it's not self- it is like it's a little selfish. Because we all are. But, but it's
1: a subconscious
0: But no one thing. else is but no one else is even thinking about
1: it. No, that. like Richard's like, hey, you need to send out a memo to say that we're rescheduling rehearsals, and her immediate re- response is, Oliver's dead and we're rescheduling rehearsals, like that's what you want me to say to them? And he's just
0: like, No, gussy it up a bit.
1: It reminds me a lot of how a certain funeral was followed really shortly after by a wedding in a certain play. Just like, I mean, life continues. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and also Anna is the first one to think of Jeffrey Tennant.
1: Yeah, she's like, do you call Jeffrey?
0: Because no one else is going to. I like. I think that's so important that she's actually the linchpin for this entire plot of the show.
1: Yeah. Because
0: she's the only one that thinks of that relationship. Because Ellen's not going to think about it because she hates Jeffrey and hates Oliver. And everyone Rich else doesn't, doesn't
1: think about Jeffrey because they're either new or they're like, not involved in this process. Yes. I have to mention that the morticians while they're preparing Oliver's body sing green sleeves to themselves. They do. It's cute. It's like our theme song.
0: <laughs> Here's the point I want to make. Yeah. That the show is bad about. This is a bad like
1: Oh, are you talking about how Jeffrey's psychic?
0: No. Oh, I, okay. I actually like that because it's a ghost, man. Yeah. The show has a ghost. So, I'm okay with Jeffrey being a little bit psychic and the phone ringing like he gets up
1: and he looks to the phone and then it starts ringing yeah that's, I mean, it, that's just it's ghost. just like a ghostly premonition type thing yeah i, I just they like don't do anything with it but they do it they just do that really strongly
0: megan yeah what i dislike is what happens immediately after jeffrey Tennant completely abandons his theater company
1: okay After the news cycle, the theater company that was going to do the Tempest is getting all these offers of places and money and sets. And then Jeffrey finds out that Oliver died. He grabs his copy of Hamlet. The lady who is working on Tempest with him is like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to return a book. And he never comes back.
0: And we never see that stage manager character ever again.
1: I like to assume that they just did it without him.
0: Megan, they mentioned in season three at the very end, like, I'm going to restart up Theater Sans Argent. That's it. That's the only other mention we get is two seasons later. Could you imagine a head of your company just being like, Bye. so long. And then he's
1: like, I'm here to start that company. And they're like, the fuck you
0: are? He just put a bunch of people out of jobs, but we don't talk about it.
1: You know what we're going to talk about, though? What? The fact that Ellen's getting a bunch of flowers, and she's like, people obviously don't know me because they think that I was close to Oliver and that I'm upset, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And one of the people delivering the flowers is this young man named Sloan, and he sees the panther chameleon that Ellen was given as a gift, and he's like- By Oliver. By Oliver, who is doing terribly, and Sloan's like, whoa, this chameleon is super dehydrated and not doing well, and she's like, oh, it was a gift from Oliver. And he's like, that's a terrible gift. It's a terrible prank. That's something's life. And I'm like, keep talking, Sloane. This is the most I'll ever like you. And then he immediately is just like, I'm not doing any more deliveries. I'm going to go save this chameleon.
0: Yeah, I called you out while we were watching this because I told you, well, this is the most attractive that Megan's ever going to find Sloan.
1: Also, the chameleon's name is Sybil. That's such a thing that a theater person would be like, I guess I'll name it Sybil.
0: I guess I'll name it after an oracle because chameleons have big eyes is i don't know (laughs) they're getting the theater ready for the funeral and because richard is the one running it it is so garish oh my god there are huge comedy and tragedy masks it's so great because it's treated like a theatrical production but it is a person's funeral so they have to deal with the tension of they're running it like a production
1: it's on the main stage like
0: well cuz they also say like hey everyone we want to keep this under like an hour and a half each person gets this amount of time to eulogize it is run like there's beats and like
1: and they got to do mic checks and the person says check check one two be or not to be
0: bad i agree with maria the stage manager when she just like get off the stage but like yeah it's it's so horrid that this is how this man's life is being celebrated after his death not by loved ones it's it's
1: funny because deep down you know that he'd hate it because anyone would hate it yeah but on the surface you're like that's what he was doing for all of his last production so it's fitting
0: but also he might also kind of love it in a gay camp way
1: yeah if it was more campy yes but it's just like garish without the camp because people aren't Invested.
0: I literally put down this funeral is ghastly.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, Jeffrey has returned for the funeral and he goes to visit the casket before the funeral. To put Jeffrey's p- return. Jeffrey's return. And he goes to put the Hamlet in there. And all of a sudden, oh no, who would suspect it? Oliver opens his eyes and is like, this is what it takes for you to drop by and say hello. And we're like, well, he's a ghost. Hamlet Sr. They keep having little sad moments like Oliver's like please tell me that what we did to touch people wasn't a waste and Jeffrey's just like shut up shut up you shouldn't talk your corpse don't do this to me.
0: I love that this show does ride the line of is Oliver a ghost or is Jeffrey losing it because
1: he had a mental breakdown he has a history of mental illness. And
0: the person that mattered most to him in his life and he had a fraught relationship with died
1: some might argue that alan mattered most to him
0: they're very interwoven it's a different relationship i would say that they both mattered most to him yeah they were yeah tied. yeah yeah tie i wrote down a note for you yeah because i looked over when this was happening and i looked at your face and i wrote down Megan knows a thing or two that bringing a Christian in is bad news.
1: Yeah, they invite a Christian preacher.
0: We don't even know his denomination. Yeah,
1: but they're like, put some God in it, but like not too much. And he's like, oh, of course, I know exactly what to say to you people. This is a
0: horrid series of things that happen because Anna's like, well, A, Oliver didn't believe in God. And Richard is just like, someone's got to mention God at a funeral because that's just what is done. No! And And so Anna has to find a priest on short notice. And so she ends up getting this priest that is horrid. Well, actually, you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Jeffrey speaks first.
1: Jeffrey does speak first. And he, once again, there's a reference to Macbeth. Yeah. I find it really interesting because. So far, like all of the outside references besides the morticians talk about all the world's a stage have been Macbeth in this season. That's about Hamlet, where first they put on Midsummer, and Jeffrey's theater was doing the Tempest. But he talks about looking at the stage and his first thought is that Macbeth quote of if thou couldst cast the water of my land, find her disease and purge it to a sound and pristine health. I would applaud thee to the very echo. Because he's like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark, guys. What the hell is this?
0: I mean, he probably pisses a lot of people off.
1: Oh, I'm sure. That's all Jeffrey does in these first few episodes. But there is some truth, a kernel of truth to what he says. It's the first true thing that's said that night. Yes. And only, because what's followed is the preacher
0: (laughs) saying that, The theater is a birthplace for homosexuality and sin, which is a classic thing about theater that people say. It's just like...
1: It turns the frogs gay.
0: The theater does turn the frogs gay, though.
1: And Jeffrey is just smiling in shock on the sidelines while Anna...
0: Anna saves the day. Saves the
1: day by pulling the fire alarm. And
0: pushing the preacher off the stage.
1: Anna, goddess,
0: she's the moment. There
1: is no Hamlet character for Anna, because if there was...
0: Things would be fixed. There'd
1: be no issue. Well, I guess she's
0: kind of Polonius.
1: But she, like, does things. Yeah. That aren't screwing over other people. I think she's Polonia, if she'd survived.
0: Polonius's wife, <laughs> Polonia!
1: Oh, something that we didn't mention, but I will bring it up. So for the Hamlet, they hired a movie star. We just totally left Jack out. Yeah, well... (laughs) He doesn't, like, matter right now, but I think it's important that in the hubbub of all of the funeral things, they completely forgot to pick up Jack, who is their Hamlet, who's a movie star, who's, like... An American movie star. Yeah. He has to take a bus in, and on that bus, he meets Kate, who's on a bus because she's doing a commercial thing, and it doesn't
0: matter yeah and they like talk they and they, they talk there's a little
1: meat, cute it's nice anyway
0: <laughs> also jack is probably based on the fact that keanu reeves did a hamlet in canada that had good reviews
1: oh damn
0: you know people view keanu reeves as an actor who goes whoa, whoa. and it's like he can act guys <laughs> he's a good actor
1: after the funeral, they have to have a board meeting because they need to figure out an artistic director and Holly Day is like, obviously it's going to be Richard because I'm having sex with him. And May's like, I think it's going to be Jeffrey Tennant. Bing, bing. It's Jeffrey Tennant. Done. Because
0: that's the end of the episode is Holly walking into Richard's office and just going like, who the hell is Jeffrey Tennant?
1: Oh, but before that, so Oliver Wells had a last will and testament.
0: Oh, yes
1: that was that his skull would be removed from his body and used in any future productions of Hamlet. And they're putting on Hamlet now. So Anna's like, I can't do this. This is really squeaky territory. And Jeffrey's like, oh, I'll ask. I got it. And everyone's kind of in a weird place because of Jeffrey coming back. And they're like, guess what? You're going to have to run Hamlet, probably, because Oliver's supposed to and Ellen gets in a little always oh, not fate a funny thing that you have to do Hamlet, and this movie star who doesn't know Shakespeare is going to play Hamlet, and then we get finally a different show reference where Jeffrey says, thus the whirly gig of time brings in its revenges.
0: Pianist Andre Chakowsky left his skull to the Royal Shakespeare Company when he died in 1982 in the hope that it would be used on stage. Was it? Since his death at the age of forty six, it had only been used in rehearsals.
1: Oh, I mean, fair because until you don't like...
0: <gasps> David Tennant in two thousand and eight, Jeffrey Tennant, very close, but this was after, after. the show. That's
1: he did it. Cause he was like a different tenant. Did it?
0: He did hold this skull on stage for twenty two performances in Stratford upon Avon. Good for that pianist. So Mark Rylance in 1989 rehearsed with the skull but decided that it would be not appropriate for real audiences and so it was put into a box for 20 years see i love that this is a real thing that happened i love that the show does these things where it sounds ridiculous and then you look it up and you go that happened person playing hamlet had a mental breakdown that happened a person requested that their skull be used for future productions of Hamlet. That happened. Theater people are weird. Episode three, Million?
1: Episode three is titled Madness and Great Ones, which is a reference to Claudius's line, Madness and Great
0: Ones Must Not Unwatched Go, in Hamlet. Thank you. I did not know that that was a reference to mm-hmm. something. It starts off with Jeffrey and Amini.
1: He doesn't like how these
0: rehearsals are going. He also plays with a razor blade in his mouth on his tongue and i hate it
1: i'm sorry before we see that we do see that richard's bed and nightstand are not against any walls they're just free floating in the room which proves to me
0: that he's a demon he
1: is a demon on earth and not a person
0: yeah anyone who has a side table not up against anything is a demon
1: but yeah so they're doing a meeting because jeffrey's like oh god all of this sucks. And he's like, I'm not doing Hamlet. And everyone else around the table's like, we're not doing Hamlet. You can't just direct Hamlet.
0: Then Anna brings up that Darren Nichols is available. But Darren Nichols is an idiot. Yeah, so Jeffrey hates Darren Nichols. He put a horse on stage. So like, my question is, is like, Who is Darren Nichols? Is Darren Nichols Julie Taymor? Because I think of Julie Taymor. I think of a person who went to Europe, learned about masks and shit, and came back to America and did performances of Shakespeare where it was like, here's a weird mask and like people naked on stage and all these like theatrical elements uh, meant to entice the senses and shock the audience. I like Julie Taymor, but, like, that's kind of the vibe I get from this character.
1: But, yeah, so they're having the serious meeting, and Darren Nichols is going to be the director of Hamlet, even though he is a twat. And, meanwhile, Kate is with her roommate Claire. I think it's time for us to talk about Claire.
0: Claire, Claire, Claire with the hair.
1: Claire is that person who you hate. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. She's the person who's like... I'm an actress. She literally was like, I'm doing some sonnets at Oliver's funeral for the exposure.
0: Yeah. And also she criticizes what Kate does, but then contradicts herself.
1: She's always right. Even if what she said before was the opposite. She's always right. She's always right.
0: And then we later learn that she is a board member's niece who it's hard to get rid of.
1: And she was Puck
0: oh she was horrid and she was
1: horrid and yeah so she's ophelia in the upcoming yeah. hamlet and she wants to spend the day now that rehearsals canceled because of oliver's death getting stoned so that she can have a sense memory for ophelia's madness that's whack and luckily kate sees that and is like that is not the same as being insane because just like stoners look like they're insane i'm sure this will go
0: well for her claire's horrid i
1: i hate her this
0: actress is really good
1: yes it's one of those things where i'm like man i have to remind myself that the actor is not the character so she's doing a great job (laughs) while they're high
0: they go into town they go
1: into town and then claire fucks off and i'm happy about it and then kate runs into jack and they have a cute moment, and it has nothing to do with Hamlet, but I'm bringing it up anyway, because there are Hamlet and Ophelia in the play. They just have cute scenes they're together. Just, they're just really cute, and he's just like, what are you on? Like, are you are you high right now? And she's like, oh my god. I don't do I don't I do, do drugs. drugs. Pot, and he's just like, me too. I'm on pot too. Oh, they're just cute. Anyway, people who aren't cute, Ellen's really mad and starts arguing with May about how Jeffrey Tennant is not mentally stable enough to be artistic director. And then she storms off and then Jeffrey comes out and is like, really, I'm not. I I am not.
0: She is correct.
1: And then May says, if you ask me, we could use a little madness around here. And you know what? That is
0: a horrid plan, but
1: horrid. And also this is one place where Hamlet and Jeffrey are very different Mm -hmm. because Hamlet is like I am only putting on madness. I know a hawk from a handsaw. This is a joke. I am in my right mind. And Jeffrey's like, which one is a hawk? May suggests that he visit the old haunts. Ha ha, get it? Because there's a ghost. And he does. He goes to the stage and he envisions the night when he had his breakdown. But instead of the ghost of Hamlet Sr., he just sees Oliver and then everything goes away. It's just Oliver's ghost. And he has a funny line that's apparently there's an afterlife, despite what they taught us in university, which is very reminiscent of the like, there are more things in heaven and earth ratio than are dreamt of in your philosophies. Yeah, I like it. It's great. Then he's like, why are you back here? Is it because you're mad? Is it because of my death? Like Hamlet? Is it because a siren song brought you crashing on this rock? A la Tempest. Then he's just like, haha, revenge my most foul and unnatural murder. And Jeffrey screams at him right as Anna's walking in, and Anna's like, okay. Things are normal. We're going to see a lot of times people seeing the end of his conversations and going, oh, he's mad, which is a very Hamlet thing.
0: So, two things happen now. One, Kate and Jack go see one of Jack's films and. Afterwards, they're talking about seeing audience reaction to things. Jack's like, I like seeing films that I'm in because I get to see the audience reaction. You don't get that in theater. And Kate's just like...
1: You get that instantly. What are you talking about? What are you talking
0: about? But I do get his response, which is, uh, how can you do that and also be on stage at the present in character, which I understand. That is a huge theater thing. Yeah. It's like you have to be aware of if something's working with an audience. While still being in the moment. Yes. And he gets swarmed by a bunch of Japanese girls. I don't get why they're there. He says, I'm huge in Japan. It's a weird bit. I don't think it works. I don't think it's funny. It's whatever. But because of how much he clearly doesn't know about live theater, Kate asks him, How'd you even get to be doing Hamlet? And he just says, my manager offered it to me. Life's just fucking nuts. Which I love because then we cut to Darren Nichols talking on the phone to somebody. And Darren Nichols is like, yeah, I'm in New Burbage. He just asked me to do Hamlet. Life's just fucking nuts. And I think that's also like a theme of Hamlet. Yeah. Of just like.
1: Things just happen. Things
0: just happen.
1: Sometimes. And you're like, how'd I end up
0: here? Wild things can happen to you in your life, and that's life.
1: I do have to mention, apparently, Darren Nichols set a tempest in Nazi Germany. Yeah. At one point, terrible. Jeffrey stormed the stage. I would, too. Actually, I'd just leave and ask for my money back. Also, Jeffrey thinks that Oliver tried to kill the festival subconsciously because of guilt over past betrayals.
0: Which is hamlet
1: Which is very Hamlety. Also. Jeffrey and Darren hate each other and they dueled in university at midnight in the quadrangle with rapiers. That's some Hamlet laerties right there.
0: Yeah, some other things that happen in this episode. I'm just like, like let's do a rundown. Jeffrey leads a theater workshop for people at a company. Can we
1: just talk about that? Just yes. just do yeah. that side. Whole, side whole thing? We're doing this whole
0: thing because there's a couple scenes that involve it.
1: So he's supposed to run this leadership workshop For white-collar company people.
0: Analyzing how Shakespeare characters could... Teach you leadership skills,
1: basically. Yes,
0: and Jeffrey recognizes it as bullshit. So in the meeting earlier, Richard Smith-Jones gives an example of what something Jeffrey could talk about in the class. And says, for instance, you can discuss Claudius's crisis management. And Jeffrey says... That's ridiculous. I'll do that. So when Jeffrey does teach this class, he asks them why they are here. And then one of the.
1: Just reads the like (laughs) syllabus. Yeah.
0: And Jeffrey just goes like, do you honestly think that you will learn anything about management from this? And Terry, the numbers man, says no. And Jeffrey's like, neither do I. Well, because he's
1: also like, do you really want to use the strategies of someone like Claudius? Yeah, who's, who's a murderous <laughs> asshole
0: yeah this is the best of jeffrey yes this is like this program that they have put on is it's
1: a thing where he he's a fantastic guest lecturer he's a fantastic oh, he's guest a, director he's
0: great with working one-on-one with actors yes so, but that's not the only thing that a director does unfortunately without.
1: Yeah, he says, let's forget the curriculum and let's fuck fuck around around with with some some text."
0: text. Which, if you're not horny for Jeffrey before that point, that's the point where you get horny for Jeffrey. Not like sexually horny, intellectually horny for Jeffrey.
1: So he has Terry reading Macbeth's soliloquy that was referenced by that one Numbers guy. Yeah. Interesting that Numbers guys keep being put to that soliloquy. And... He just has Terry perform the Sound and Fury soliloquy.
0: I do think it was a purposeful callback because Jeffrey explains in great detail what Macbeth is saying and why he is saying it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I wrote this down. Yeah, I actually think it's really good. He says, when we mourn, we're actually mourning part of ourselves that has died, and you have now lost the person that defined you. You've lost your identity. Who are you now without her? You're uncomfortable inside your own skin. You've become a stranger even to yourself. And it's easy for him to say that because he's also just gone through a death of someone who defined him.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's great because it is what Jeffrey is going to, and I think Jeffrey has zero awareness of that. Uh, oh,
1: absolutely. He's just like, wow, I'm a good director. How did I come up with that? Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's great that he does that. It also just helps to contextualize what the Lenstrek guy got absolutely wrong about the text. Yes. And then it allows for Terry to deliver uh, just a lukewarm okay.
1: Hey, they put music behind it to make it sound even better.
0: (laughs) The show does this. It is my biggest problem with this show is that they will play, like, the lilting music and... Yeah, and then they'll play that and then just like, see, that's the cue for you to know that this acting is good. I mean,
1: I've seen worse auditions.
0: Yeah, but you definitely seem better.
1: Absolutely. But also, he is just a numbers guy who has no theater experience. Oh yeah, for that
0: context, he's doing very well. Yeah,
1: I'm like, oh, that's good. But then you think about the fact that this is a TV show with actors, but then it would be less realistic because you'd be like, why is that numbers guy
0: such a good actor? Like, what the hell? But then like the hot lady thinks that he's hot because he's good at acting. Yeah. Because acting is also a drug and that's a huge part is you're hotter if you're good at acting
1: oh yeah another thing that's happening interspersed with this is hamlet rehearsals start well the read through and i hate darren nichols once again i'm gonna read a chunk of text yeah, read from the freaking show they're like okay time to start the read through directors introduce themselves darren nichols says i am darren nichols deal with that re hamlet this play is dead. It has been dead for over 300 years. It has been stripped mined for quotations and propped up like Lenin in his ice cave. I don't worship dead texts, but that doesn't mean I don't find interest in them. Now as to my vision, I'm taking the word rotten very seriously. I want a rank and foul-looking, foul-acted, and if possible, foul-smelling Hamlet.
0: Oh horrid. The texts are always alive. That's like
1: not... he is correct in that a lot of Shakespeare, basically to a lot of society at this point, is a source for quotations to put on pillows.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: But it's not
0: dead. It's didn't... not
1: dead. It is not like Lennon in its ice cave.
0: You don't need to do whatever disgusting thing you're gonna do to it. Well, it's also just so surface level. Yes. You're saying nothing about the text by saying that.
1: I want it to be foul. So you took your entire thesis around one word that is in the show once, and what does that say about anything? That you think Shakespeare's dead, so fuck it? It's it's a very weak proposal. We don't like him. And Um, we also don't like Claire.
0: I can't even describe precisely why she is bad, besides saying... She is bad.
1: She's standing up and moving around during the read through.
0: Which is just like over.
1: That's you think your shit smells like roses. Yeah. And Jack is stumbling over his lines.
0: But the show, I think, is much kinder to Jack than it is to Claire. Because Claire. They're like,
1: don't we hate her?
0: But I think what's important about Jack is he doesn't have overconfidence
1: right he's just like this isn't really my thing but this is what I was hired to do so I mean I'm gonna try and you have the old guard like Ellen and Cyril and Frank who are just like kind of rolling their eyes like this is our lead we've seen great hamlets but like Jeffrey Tennant who is really the person you're supposed to connect with most in the show wants to give him a chance
0: and Oliver's ghost appears to Jeffrey again basically saying like You could do something with this Hamlet, but it's not your problem.
1: Because you're just the interim artistic director, because that's what Jeffrey keeps saying. He's like, I'm not a part of this. I'm just a figurehead. And that makes him shout, Oh God, will you shut up while Claire is singing? It's great. I mean, it's terrible. Horrid. I would literally sob if I was her.
0: Yeah, but she's got no self awareness.
1: So she's just like, Oh my God, some people. Yeah. He has lost his mind. It's funny because
0: unlike Jack. Everyone agrees that Claire is bad. Even like Darren Nichols is kind of just like whatever. I just have her. Moving on to we're in rehearsals. It's clear that Darren Nichols does not care about the acting.
1: He also doesn't care about relationship management. No, but like worse. I would say in a worse.
0: No, he's opposite. He's,
1: he's opposite of Jeffrey, and it makes it worse because his own actors is who he doesn't care about.
0: Yes, like he works fine with management.
1: Yeah. But he's just like, I want Gertrude to look old and saggy and ugly. So that should be easy for you, Alan.
0: And that's rude. You could never say that about an actor. And
1: then he's just like, oh, they have their union break. Oh,
0: hate the union. He doesn't even work with Jack. He's working on blocking the show. And
1: he's talking about all the technical things.
0: Yes. And like Jack goes to start saying a line and like, Ostensibly, like, important for Jack to work on the text that he's not familiar with it. Because he says
1: angles and ministers of grace defend us, and Darren doesn't even comment on it. Yeah,
0: he's just worried about the ghosts being on fire and then the horses that are going to be on stage being scared of fire.
1: So, before we wrap up how these scenes merge between the corporate workshop and the Hamlet rehearsals, we gotta talk about Richard and Holly. It's quick, it's very quick.
0: So we need to mention the one good thing you like about Holly. And that's Richard is depressed. He didn't go into work because of him not getting the artistic director position and Jeffrey getting it. And Holly's like, we're going out, get dressed, get showered. I'm
1: sending a car. So if you're not up and dressed and cleaned, I'm having my driver do it for you. Basically,
0: she's telling him to touch grass.
1: Yes. She's then, making it happen so that he can get out of bed. And
0: that's a good thing.
1: They go see Mama Mia. And basically, then they're just like, oh, Shakespeare sucks. No one actually likes Shakespeare. Perfect choice.
0: A jukebox musical in which the lyrics don't match what is happening in the show. And all of the songs are from a pop band that is just super popular. Like, it is populist media. I love ABBA. Don't get me wrong. I think was great. Yeah. But... but that show being the one that they choose is a perfect choice because it is like a very popular show that people like seeing. And
1: it makes people happy and energized after they've seen it. Yeah. They're but... like, I hate dense text like Shakespeare. And Mamma Mia is the opposite of a dense text. Yeah.
0: yeah. But also Shakespeare's got non-dense text. It's called Comedy of Errors. That's yeah. not a dense text at all. Yeah. Because I think that what Richard believes which is going to be proven false later, is that he's only seen the crud Shakespeare that Oliver was putting out. So he only thinks of it as like this slog homework. He thinks of it as homework. And he's going to be proven wrong that it's not homework. Once he or, sees
1: something that has life in it.
0: But they have sex and Holly says her master plan was... About how she wants to like build a musical based theme park and turn the entire festival into one giant gift shop.
1: What if they just had a fiddler on a roof? Like Spider Man Stuntman, but it's just a fiddler.
0: As much as I hate Holiday, hate corporization of theater.
1: We'd go to that.
0: I would go to a theme park based on musicals. Yeah. If there was a fiddler on the roof. Yeah. I would like to see him.
1: This has, um, no real connection to, I mean, so the closest connection to Hamlet is that, um, Claudius wants to kill Hamlet, and they want to kill the Shakespeare side of the new Burbage Festival. So that's really where the theme is. It's not like a character theme, it's a situational theme. Cutting back to the people we like.
0: (laughs) Yes, let us finish this episode.
1: Jeffrey and Terry are at the bar after their whole moment getting drunk, He talks about how doing theater with the person you love is like having sex in public and then life can't compete with that. And Terry's like, doesn't sound like it. Yeah, that sounds absolutely incredible.
0: We didn't mention this before, but Ellen has been inviting people back to her house instead of being at the bar in order to avoid Jeffrey. And so she's having a get together of the Hamlet cast and crew at her house, drinking alcohol, hanging out. And Darren is being an absolute nightmare and
1: everyone's just getting very
0: drunk and people dislike darren clearly
1: and jeffrey's like terry come with me you are my second we're going somewhere after we get some weapons
0: from the prop storage so jeffrey interrupts this party and challenges darren to a duel and it gets out of hand very quickly
1: i have to mention jeffrey's like we're gonna take the buttons off of the foils
0: Yeah, he wants to hurt him.
1: Yes, he's like, so we're going to make this actual weapons. And the one time I ever like Darren occurs here, which is they're about to fight. He's calling out Darren for how pompous he is, all of that. And then he is like, the readiness is all. He does that like little bit, just quoting Shakespeare, but as real life. And Darren just looks at him and says, you call me pompous?
0: It's great because they're foils. They're literal foils for each other. Yes
1: darren's laertes he was established as laertes and now he's proven himself to be laertes they're fighting throughout the house and everyone's on jeffrey's side yeah because they hate darren
0: despite hating what jeffrey said about
1: because they have to deal with darren on a daily basis yes and he's been insulting them and calling their boobs saggy i mean ellen isn't cheering for jeffrey but but she
0: should she should Uh, Anyway, uh, Maria, the stage manager, yells at all the actors for being drunk in the middle of this fight and how shitty actors are to stage managers.
1: This is one of the only bits where I think I would have liked them to keep the extended cut.
0: Yeah. Because
1: in the deleted scene, she talks about how they complain about everything, their costumes, and then she focuses on how they complain about each other in the green room behind each other's backs. Yes. And I think that is important. That's a
0: valid point.
1: One, it's valid. Two, it connects a lot with Hamlet.
0: If you are in theater, the one thing that you should learn Is to respect the costumers, respect the props people, respect
1: because they can ruin your life. Well, I mean Um, not just that.
0: (laughs) You should respect them because they do an important job and they And they
1: get none of the credit. Yes. They don't get the applause at the end of the night.
0: And also you should just respect them because they do a lot of work. They're doing a lot of work. And I have known of actors who have disrespected tech people. I'm like, yeah, you don't get like. Well,
1: it's even little things of like being like, oh, I'm done with my costume. And you just throw it somewhere. Yes.
0: You have to respect their work.
1: Like if you damage that costume, they could be up until 2 a.m. trying to fix it the yes. night before the show. Yes. But yeah. So I think that that cut, I wish that was kept because yeah. I like that bit. And it fits in with what's happening right now. Like at the start of the fight, Darren's probably would think that they'd like him to win because Jeffrey's a maniac in his mind. But then he'd find that all of them hate him.
0: Listen, Maria is not a great stage manager. She's
1: a great character of a stage manager. Yes. And
0: also she's right to yell at them because I'm sure that she has a very truthful and direct relationship with all of her staff.
1: Also, like, they're trying to kill each other right now while drunk at a party with a bunch of other people.
0: Well, and she's also been listening to the party and heard people be like, oh my god, Darren Nichols is so terrible. Thomas and,
1: like, disrespectful.
0: Listen, I think that her saying get off the stage to the PA at the beginning is how she treats all of her tech people. Like, if she's rude to them, it's direct.
1: Yeah. It's not It's, it's not, not behind their backs, which is what she hates about the actors. Yeah
0: and so then they fight and we don't see how it ends the last scene we get
1: is uh, (laughs) jack and kate they snuck away from the party because they were like let's just hang out they Mm -hmm. went on a bridge and tried to spit into the river
0: and kate's really bad at it
1: and that's the end of the episode it's just like a very it's very mundane moment after all of this very cute
0: button to the episode yeah and that's all we're going to cover.
1: Yeah, next time we will cover the last half of the first season and then we will give our final thoughts, usually what we do at the end of episodes. Yeah. So for now,
0: a truncated end.
1: A truncated end. Favorite moment of the first 3 episodes.
0: So my favorite moment from these first 3 episodes is a line that I say in my head all the time. <laughs> It's when Jeffrey is getting settled as the interim artistic director, and Anna comes in and just goes, "Can I get you some coffee?" And Jeffrey says, "Yeah, black." And Anna turns to leave, comes back and says, "Cream and sugar." And Jeffrey says, "Yeah, black." (laughs) And it it is just a quick little moment in between these two characters that I absolutely love. He doesn't like make fun of her. He's just like. I said it, and I think about that every time anything has to do with coffee. What's your favorite moment, Mayan?
1: This time around, I it might be because I just recently got engaged, so I'm very romantic-brained right now. Ich baba Dürkel, someone's in love. But what's really sticking out to me right now is just that first interaction between Kate and Jack, where he's just like oh what do you do and she's like oh i'm a stage actress blah 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 she's like what are you doing he's like i'm a movie star and she like rolls her eyes like oh yeah sure well she
0: says aren't we all
1: aren't we all <laughs> like she just doesn't believe him and it turns out that he's her hamlet it's so good it's just well cute. she doesn't
0: know that he's her hamlet yet either so the relationship is organic
1: perfect it's so good That's, yeah, and then, like, basically seeing them grow. Like, when Claire's like, that's Jack. She's like, what? Yeah, that's Jack.
0: And it's also a perfect, like, you knew Hamlet before he was the Prince of Denmark. Yes,
1: you knew Jack before you knew he was Jack, the movie star Jack.
0: All right, I think that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of Avant Bard. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on all social media at Avant Bard Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, you can support us financially at Patreon.com/AvantBardPod. You can also follow our new website at bit.ly/AvantBard.
1: Bloopers for this episode will be posted next week, but until then, we will see you anon.
0: Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlo. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Pod.